Welcome in to the Morning Quickie, Wednesday, June 12th. Slow night in sports. I wasn't very motivated to get up and do this one this morning. Uh, we hit the summer months, but uh, tonight we do get Game 7 of the NHL Stanley Cup Final. Not if you care about that. Uh, you know, obviously, we're a game away from Game uh, 6 in the NBA Finals. So right now, the biggest thing going on, I guess, is the Women's World Cup. I guess Team USA, the uh, women's national team, whatever they're called, uh, made history yesterday with a dominating performance, winning 13 to nothing over Thailand, which led to some people being mad, saying to, uh, you know, saying that Team USA uh, is it Team USA or the women's national team? Do people say Team USA? Am I just thinking of the Mighty Ducks, like uh, or the Olympic basketball team? I don't ever really hear them called Team USA. I always hear them the women's national team or the men's national team, whatever. Well, either way, America uh, drew some a little criticism from some people saying that they ran the score up thirteen to nothing. I mean that was a uh, that was a dominating performance. I want to say ten goals in the second half. Others say, hey, that's the tiebreaker in group play, goal differential. You got to score as many as you could. And then some are like, yeah, you can score, just don't celebrate as much as. Uh, the Americans were. You don't have to rub it in when it's 11 nothing. I don't know. I didn't watch a second of it. Can't tell you. I know, you know, Alex Morgan was, uh, I think she scored, what, five goals? I think there was a video of her consoling a Thailand girl after the game who was crying, like, what do you say in that situation? Hey, uh, get them next game. Hey, here's what you have to work on. Nah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Kevin Durant. I don't think we got any official update on his injury because he was flying to New York to undergo his MRI. Uh, flying to New York where he's going to be headquartered from now on. Obviously, there's been the rumors about the Knicks. Uh, not sure how they feel coming out of this injury, but there was a report that the Brooklyn Nets said that this will not affect their pursuit of Kevin Durant. A.K. we're still going to offer him the max. We still want him. The numbers aren't great for a guy coming off of an Achilles injury. There's really only been one basketball player be successful. Uh, It's Dominique Wilkins. His scoring per game actually went up when he came back from the Achilles injury. Recently, Rudy Gay became a better player after tearing his Achilles. He quit relying on his athleticism and actually started working on his jump shot and could hit jumpers and could hit threes and didn't take as many bad contested twos. But obviously, Rudy Gay working on a different, uh, different, work, working under different expectations than Kevin Durant would be. Last real bit of news, I guess, that uh, in the sports world that I saw that, I, that caught my eye were that the Oakland Raiders, a.k.a. the future Las Vegas Raiders, will be featured on Hard Knocks. Mark Davis, John Gruden are pissed about it, uh, but that's just the way it is. They beat out or lost out or however you want to look at it. Uh, There were four other options of teams that fit the criteria between uh, not making the playoffs and not having been on it. That was uh, the San Francisco Giants. Wait, hold on. Let me try that again. The San Francisco 49ers, 
the New York Giants, not to be confused with the baseball team, the San Francisco Giants. So the 49ers, the Giants, the Lions, and the Redskins. I don't know why the hell in my notes I put San Francisco and Giants right there. I guess because of last night when I was typing, it's easier to type, just type out San Francisco than to type out the numbers 4-9. I don't know. Weird thing. But yeah, the 49ers, Giants, Lions, and Redskins. So, um, I mean, out of those teams, I do think we get the most entertaining option. John Gruden, obviously, understands TV after his time on ESPN. He's a star in his own right. He's going to be annoying on here, but it'll be good TV. Maybe we can get, maybe we can follow Mark uh, Davis to his PF Changs that he always goes to. I would really love a, a, a shot uh, to put a camera in there, Mark Davis in his van as he drives, you know, three hours to go get his hair cut. That type of stuff would be good. I think that would be good content. I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. Obviously, Antonio Brown's there now. Maybe we can get video of him getting death threats by Steelers fans or. You know, maybe we can get his thoughts on Juju Smith-Schuster. Maybe that'll lead to a fist fight between those two. That'd be cool. Maybe somebody can ask him about his nickname, Mr. Big Chest. Like, there's some storylines there. Also, Vontez Burfecht, you know, the dirtiest player of the last 10, 15 years. That's a pretty good storyline. Just, hey, Vontez, why are you so dirty? What is wrong with you? Were you not loved as a child? Were you abused as a child? Is this why you like to abuse other people? Like, what's happening here? Richie Incognito. You probably are familiar with his his whole story between the uh, the bullying of you know what was it Martin, the uh, the weird stuff last year where he was threatening to kill people and it's just a uh, interesting team. And then actually, you know, if you're just looking for actual football storylines. Derek Carr, you know, kind of uh, in his make-or-break year. This is probably either going to be the last year he's in the Raiders organization or the year that they have to, um, you know, fully commit to him. Premier is August 6th, so uh, hard knocks. I can't even remember who was in there last year. It wasn't the Rams. That was the year before. It wasn't the Texans. Uh, was it the Buccaneers? I don't, I don't remember. No, that was a couple years ago, too. Nah, either way, maybe the Raiders will be better. All right, let's get to uh, some other news from around the world. Uh, again, kind of a slow day, as you could probably tell by me getting this up a little bit later. When I was making my notes last night, I was like, eh, this morning quickie will probably be the worst one so far, so I could sleep in a little bit. Plus, my lawnmower broke. I don't know what was happening. I was out there mowing, and the next thing I know... You know, maybe it was my fault because I kept flipping my switch between uh, my blade being on or off whenever I would go through some rough parts of my yard. And I swear the last time I flipped it on, something from under my mower shot off. So I'm assuming something fell off. Uh, I don't know, just quick cutting. Uh, I was about 80% done with my yard. So, you know, it's just it was a rough end to the night last night. I was mowing at like 8.30, so I wasn't happy. I went to bed upset. So, uh, yeah. Kind of the explanation for why this is getting up a little bit later. But uh, a, a, a Cape Town, South African seller wants, he has a big plan to lasso and tow a 125 million ton iceberg from the Antarctic. 
That's his plan on how to solve the water crisis that threatened to leave the city without fresh drinking water. So, like, you know, South Africa's been in a water crisis that really had their uh, their citizens struggling. Their drought last year got conditions so severe that the city worried it would run out of municipal water entirely. Each household was allowed 13 gallons of water per person per day. That's less than one-fourth of the average American's water consumption. So uh, it was a crisis. His plan to not let that happen again is, hey, we're going to take this 125 million ton iceberg and we're going to melt it down. That's our plan. We're going to drag it to South Africa waters on a 90-day trip. Then we're going to melt it down and have it. I don't know. That's his plan. Nicholas Sloan thinks he could do it. He wants to take his little tugboat out there and pull the iceberg. I've heard of this idea before. No one's ever actually done it. I'm, I'm waiting to see if someone do it. Although it's global warming and all that. I mean, I, I don't know. I thought we were losing the ice caps. Although I guess maybe we should just use them while we got them. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, last thing, viral clip going around yesterday. A um, a pretty moving, a pretty moving clip as John Stewart uh, showed up to talk to members of Congress about 9-11 responders. So what's going on there is basically uh, 9-11 responders are set to have their uh, their fund that helps take care of them uh, to expire. And I think it's supposed to expire in 2020, actually. Uh, payouts are going to be cut between 50 to 70%. A New York Democratic rep- uh, Representative, Carolyn Maloney, introduced legislation uh, you know, a couple months ago, I believe in February, to just fund the program permanently, saying, look, hey, we, are, we need to take care of of our first respondents from, you know, America's biggest terrorist attack. Well, it came time, I guess, to uh, get ready. It was, uh, I guess they were having a vote yesterday or was going to do something uh, to discuss it. And, you know, John Stewart has kind of been the representative here, even, you know, dating back from, you know, 2001 when he was on The Daily Show. Like, he was always a big proponent of this and he's been kind of making that, I don't want to say his life's work, but, I mean, it's kind of his main thing. It's been kind of his main thing since then. Um, And basically, a lot of members of Congress didn't show up to vote for it. Like, they just didn't show up to hear people talk about it. They just didn't care. They had made up their mind, hey, we're not going to uh, devote all this money to it. We're not going to devote all this money to it, so we have nothing to talk about here. So that... That led to John Stewart coming there and pretty passionately calling them out, saying, hey, you you all want to publicly support these guys, but when it comes time to put your money where your mouth is, uh, you all you all fell them. Behind me, a filled room of 9-11 responders, and in front of me, a nearly empty Congress. Sick and dying, they brought themselves down here to speak to no one, he said, tearing up. 
shameful. It's an embarrassment to the country and it's a stain on this institution. And you should be ashamed of yourselves for those that aren't here. But you won't be because accountability doesn't appear to be something that occurs in this chamber. I mean, he went on. He, he, he lit them up for a while. And the clip went viral. And I don't know if that's going to help sway public pressure. But maybe. And, you know, people have been saying, hey, we can't give this, uh, this big fund just to New York. Uh, and then he, you know, obviously says, hey, it's not just a New York issue. There are people from all over the world. Al-Qaeda didn't shout death to Tribeca. They attacked America. And these men and women and their response to it is what brought our country back. They're dying. You're making them make a decision between uh, living where they can live, like getting medicine or whether or not they can live. I, I don't know. I'll let you hear the last kind of couple minutes of it uh, because, like I said, it's moving. You can hear the emotion in John Stewart. And that'll just take us out on today's Morning Quickie. We'll talk tomorrow. There is not a person here, there is not an empty chair on that stage that didn't tweet out, never forget the heroes of 9-11. Never forget their bravery. Never forget what they did, what they gave to this country. Well, here they are. And where are they? And it would be one thing if their callous indifference and rank hypocrisy were benign, but it's not. Your indifference costs these men and women their most valuable commodity, time. It's the one thing they're running out of. This should be flipped. This hearing should be flipped. These men and women should be up on that stage and Congress should be down here answering their questions as to why this is so damn hard and takes so damn long. And why no matter what they get, something's always pulled back and they gotta come back. Mr. Johnson, you, you, you made a point earlier, and it was one that we have heard over and over again in these halls, and I, I, I couldn't help but to answer to it, which was, you said, look, you know, you guys are obviously heroes, and 9-11 was a big deal, but, you know, we have a lot of stuff here to do. And, uh, you know, we got to make sure there's money for a variety of uh, uh, disasters, hurricanes and tornadoes. But this wasn't a hurricane, and this wasn't a tornado. And by the way, that's your job anyway. We can't fund these programs. You can Setting aside that no American in this country should face financial ruin because of uh, a health issue. Certainly 9-11 first responders shouldn't have to decide whether to live or to have a place to live. And the idea that you can only give them five more years of the VCF because you're not quite sure what's going to happen five years from now. Well, I can tell you, I'm pretty sure what's going to happen five years from now. More of these men and women are going to get sick and they are going to die.